Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show. Matt Contrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motor Studio, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com, Ford, Kia, Hyundai, all sorts of pre-owned inventory, great service department and sales staff, and get you set for anything you need done for your vehicle, the big stuff, the little stuff, state inspections, they got you covered, and it's all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Route 11 and 15 in Humble's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Loaded show coming up today. I am still doing the show on the old cell phone from home, still in quarantine. Hopefully I'll be back in studio at some point in the next uh, couple of days or so. But big thanks to the suit for continuing to run the board and helping out. Appreciate that. And a big one today, we got Ray Diddy joining the show at 335 today to talk Eagles. Eagles, of course, clinching the playoff spot over the weekend. But now they got a little COVID outbreak, but luckily... They still have some time to get ready for the playoff game. Probably won't be playing a lot of starters anyway, if any, on Saturday night when the Cowboys come to town. So we'll get into all that with Ray coming up at 335. Neil Coolong today, as well as he normally does every Tuesday. Lots to get into from Big Ben's final game at Heinz Field last night, which was definitely a slot fest to say the least. And I I think it was pretty fitting, actually. He even said this post game of how the game went was kind of how his career career kind of went, especially early on. And I guess it's kind of right. It's symbolic. But the Steelers, on top of sending Big Ben off on a high note with a, with a win in his final game at Heinz Field, they still keep their slim playoff hopes alive next week when they go to Baltimore. Baltimore also needs to win. So basically it's a win and maybe you're in down in, in against Baltimore next week. The Steelers needing a win and a Colts loss against the Jaguars, and then hoping that the Vegas Chargers game, which is the Sunday night game next week, doesn't end in a tie. And I think if that were to happen, that would definitely be symbolic of the Steelers' season as well. (laughs) But I thought last night was a tremendous atmosphere, just as I thought. I had a couple of friends that were at the game last night, and you can tell the the vibe was was certainly there and and juiced up and, and ready to go. And Big Ben certainly felt very appreciative of that, was emotional coming out of the tunnel. And then the coin toss thing was interesting. (laughs) I think he obviously was kind of caught off guard about that. We'll play that back from his postgame comments on it. And I will say this, though, about the game itself, aside from, from Ben dynamic into this, that was probably the worst play calling I've seen for both sides of the game in quite some time. The lack of a running game from either team when that was a majority of their offensive success last night, especially from Cleveland, it was a total head structure. I mean, you saw the stat during the second half when ESPN put it up last night. 
They averaged over six yards a carry with Nick Chubb in the game and barely a yard per carry per play when they don't have him in the game. Yet, you hardly saw him. So that was a definitely a head-scratcher there and just shows you where Cleveland is at this point after everyone thought maybe they're trying to make steps forward to win ball games, but I think Bill Hillgrove said it good yesterday, and that's exactly what Steve even mentioned, too, is the Browns just still do not know how to win. And as far as the Steelers go, where was Najee Harris in the red zone last night? Well, that, that's, it's, that's been the thing all year, really, though, Matt. I mean, Can- Canada's whole offense is, like, about misdirection and moving stuff around. And one of the things that drives me insane is the inside handoffs that that they keep doing and slot receiver reverses inside the red zone, inside the 20. Don't understand why we have to keep handing the ball off to to receivers when you've got a guy like Najee Harris who had, what, 120, 130 yards? Exactly. And also, too, yeah, I, you were one for, what, one for three in the red zone last night or whatever it was. It was, it was not good, or one for three early on. But the majority of the reasons why you had eight straight passes in the red zone on one drive after you gave the ball to Najee Harris, who had a majority of the drive in getting them to that point anyway. And if they would have given it... a big factor. It kept Cleveland in the game. And if they would have given it to Najee a few more times, especially in the red zone, I would have won my fantasy Super Bowl game. (laughs) And let's face it, that's what really upsets me. Just difficult dealing with... Oh, my gosh. Just everywhere (laughs) I turn, it's just... uh, It's unbelievable. (laughs) I, listen, oh, I, I, all in all, Matt, I am not upset with last to, night. I just want to talk sports. Oh, <laughs> fantasy team. What the hell do I care about your fantasy team for? Hey, Two scores. Oh. That's all I needed, two scores. And they didn't even give it to him in the red zone. I got one score, but I needed two. Oh, I just can't deal with this. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> That being said, so I'm very happy uh, with the outcome of the game. All right, let's put it that way. Oh, you guys, you should be. Well, good, great, a reason for me to live. All right, um, <laughs> so that's fabulous. Uh, the audience is sitting there like, "Go, Steve, go." Uh, so, <laughs> let's let's at least put a little uh, piece on Roethlisberger for a moment here. Last night, last night aside, Ray Dittinger is going to join us here. Great one to talk about the Eagles at the bottom of the hour. We got Neil Kulong today as well. Uh, but when it comes to Ben Roethlisberger, let's go back to the conversation we had yesterday, and I'll remind the two of you what yesterday's conversation was because you can't even remember what you had for breakfast this morning. It's really kind of scary. Right, oh um, my, oh my! Uh, so, but the league is designed to do what the Eagles have done, okay? That's how the league is designed. It is designed for you to make a run, maybe win a Super Bowl like they did. Then you kind of hang for a year, but then you slump. You get a last-place schedule. You get some draft picks. Boom, and you're able to get back in the upswing. You know, it's the league is, is designed for teams to play in, in cycles. That's what they want to see. With the Patriots... The uh, Packers and the Steelers have done. That's the aberration. And you can directly trace 
the long-term success of each to Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre before that, Aaron Rodgers, and Ben Roethlisberger. Because each one of the three kept their teams relevant every year. Roethlisberger is going to go through his career and not have a losing season in his career. Think about that. 18 seasons. He is not going to have a losing season in his career. Now, look, there are a lot of factors in the players that play around him and so forth. But the bottom line is, is that when here's what Brady Rogers and and Roethlisberger all have in common. I would say that eight times out of ten, each one is the best player in the field in the game they're playing. Now, at the tail end of Ben's career, I'm not going to say that. But I'm talking about the vast majority of Ben's career. Eight times out of ten, he was the best player in the field. Now, you know, when Brady played, same story. Eight times out of ten, best player in the field. Rodgers, best player in the field. Eight times out of ten. And it makes an incredible difference. I mean, I'll give you the, a great example of Roethlisberger early in his career, second year wins the Super Bowl. And, you know, he he did enough where he wasn't losing games as a young quarterback. He did enough where the people around him helped him win the game. And he understood that, okay? And the Super Bowl they won, they won in spite of him. And maybe the single poorest officiated Super Bowl I've ever seen in my life. Even the Roethlisberger touchdowns in question, the one he scored running. But that team was, you know, Parker running the ball, Bettis getting, well, at this point, he's at the tail end of his career, so instead of 3.9 yards of carry, he's getting 2.9. Uh, you know, and Heinz Ward and people like that, Some really some terrific players on that team. But then the second one they won, he's the reason they won. Yeah, Harrison had the interception. Yeah, Santonio Holmes was the MVP. Roethlisberger's the reason they won the game. Uh, on, a, on a field that day that had Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald, Santonio Holmes, and Troy Polamalu, okay, Roethlisberger was the best player in the field. That's why they won. And eight times out of ten... He usually was the best player in the field when they played. Now, when they played New England, he wasn't. They didn't win, they didn't win did they? When they played in the Super Bowl against Rodgers, Rodgers was the best player in the field that day. Not Ben. Right? And it made a difference. Uh, but for the most part, that's the way it was. And even though Roethlisberger will not get the national acclaim that others do, that's just the bottom line. It's the kind of, with all due respect, to the Eagles, that's the kind of guy they've missed for 18 years. That's why they've had ups, downs, ups, downs. Right? The Steelers have at least been relevant in the playoff race all 18 of his seasons. And that is the aberration of how the league is designed. The league is not designed to have an 18-year run where you're never under 500 and you're always relevant in the playoffs. The league is not designed where you have a 20-year run where you're 
either winning the division or always getting into the playoffs like the Patriots. The league is not designed for you to be in the playoffs every single year like Green Bay and getting the best record many times. But, you know, they start out with the foundational building point of the franchise quarterback. That's what Kansas City's hoping to do with Mahomes. That's what they're hoping to do. Mahomes is just in the infancy of his career. That's what Kansas City, that's what Brett Feach is hoping for. It's why that contract was put together. He's trying to do it in such a way that that allows them to have a long-term run because they've got the guy at quarterback. Everybody's always searching for that guy. Everybody is. And the bottom line is, Pittsburgh, with the 11th overall pick in their draft, found him. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk football and philosophy. I'm sorry, guys. You guys want to talk fantasy football? Like, how many points did you get, Matt? How many points did you get? He, he, he's the one that brought it up. I'm actually not playing this year. I just don't have time for it. I fell one touchdown short. In many ways in your life. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You know, it's uh, as soon as I took a couple steps and I, I looked, I knew what they were doing, so I... Gave him a little like you guys, um, but uh, it, it you know this team is very special. I mean, in the locker room afterwards, um, and them on the field, and just just everything. That's why I love this place, and this is home. And these are my brothers, and I'm just so I'm so blessed. Not just these guys, but all the guys that I've been blessed to play with over my years. Cameron Hayward was going to walk out with him. For the coin toss, and he went out a couple steps and then stopped. And that's what he was referring to there. They still have a chance at the playoffs. They need, I think there's 72 things that have to happen. That's not that many. 71? Two things (laughs) that are legitimate. The Colts need to lose in Jacksonville, which can be done. The Colts have done it a lot lately. And... They need the Chargers and the Raiders not to tie. And, of course, the Steelers have to win, but... Oh, you had to bring that up. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> but, but it's Baltimore at Baltimore. If you Listen, I don't care if this game doesn't mean anything for the playoffs. You still get ready for this one. Really? Really. I mean, I, I would think anybody that's playing in the game is really ready for this one because guess what? Their contracts are all on the line for next year. <laughs> so I'm just talking about the fans. I'm not talking about the players. <laughs> You're not playing. <laughs> hey, they heard me when I yelled at the TV last night. Then again, so did my wife upstairs asleep and told me about it. But still, I got my point across to the players. I've been there. I I just feel like I'm living in a bizarro world. All right. Uh, I believe the text last night was, are you okay? And I said, I will be if they put the stinking ball in the end zone. And she said, I should have guessed. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Ben's just like, look, when you find a quarterback as a building block, you don't you don't start messing around by changing guys up. At quarterback, that's why the the Browns have a big decision to make with Baker Mayfield, 
Mayfield is a good NFL quarterback. He is not a great NFL quarterback. I think at some point he might have a great season, but he'll always be good, not great. And that is exactly how I characterized him coming out of the draft. And a lot of people disagree with me about that. But I said, I think he'll be good, not great. Um, now, Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow, was like, last year when he got hurt against Washington, I said, that's, that's too bad for Cincinnati. I said, that guy gives them a puncher's chance in every game. And remember, the Bengals had won one game the year before. There are many. There are no quarterbacks like that in this draft. There are no quarterbacks as rookies this year playing right now. That are even remotely close to that. The Burrow, none of them. I mean, can Trevor Lawrence maybe someday could maybe, but there's something about Burrow a little bit different uh, than everybody else. And you could see it last year. I said, you know, he had that phenomenal last season at LSU where he threw 9,000 touchdown passes. Now you see him in the NFL, and I'll tell you, he's just got that that something. I shouldn't say that. The analytics people, the numbers people who, like, actually don't know the game, don't know what I have no clue what I'm talking about. None. Hey, glad to hear about your fantasy thing. Too bad you fell short. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. Your trade-in's never been worth more in that service department, from inspections to routine maintenance to the difficult things that happen, they can handle it all. It's really one-stop shopping. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kierwood's 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. And one of the best ever, and it's always great to have him on the show, Ray Dittinger. Welcome, Ray. It's always a pleasure. I hope you are well, and Happy New Year. Uh, happy New Year to you, Steve. Good to be with you again. All right. So the league is designed to have these successes and dips. You get draft picks and last place schedules and things like that. The Eagles have taken advantage of some of this stuff. As you've watched it play out, was there anything along the way that with this group that it surprised you? Um, yeah, the turnaround. You know, um, the fact that at 2-5... and five, um, at two and five, things look pretty bleak <laughs> with this team, uh, especially when you had a rookie head coach that no one really knew anything about coming in. Uh, at two and five, and coming off a couple of really bad losses, um, I mean, there were a lot of people that didn't even think Nick Sirianni was going to finish the year. Uh, I mean, they were talking about, oh, when's Jeff Lurie going to admit this was a terrible mistake and this guy is in over his head? And you know, okay, who, which which of the assistant coaches are you going to promote to finish out the season? I mean, those yeah. conversations were actually taking place. Uh, so to think that here you are at nine and seven, already locked up a playoff position, um, and looking ahead to the postseason is is pretty remarkable turnaround. It really is when you consider you know Nick Sirianni went from being a guy that looked like he had one foot out the door to being a guy that's now being talked about as maybe coach of the year. 
Right. Uh, you and I both know, just from personal experience, everybody grows into jobs, right? Sure. Uh, you know, they grow into jobs. So if we've watched now Nick Sirianni, where have we seen some of that growth in him? Oh, uh, well, clearly the, the redesign of the offense. I mean, that was... Um, I mean, that was pretty remarkable what he did. I mean, through the first part of the season, the offense just – and the offense is his baby, really. Uh, and and it just seemed to have no direction. It, uh, first part of the season, I mean, they had the one Monday night game they played down in Dallas where the running backs actually carried the ball three times in the entire game. Yeah, I mean, it was, I I mean, it was just ridiculous. I mean, the play calling was just – uh, I mean, you couldn't imagine what he was thinking. I mean, at, at the end of the game, and somebody pointed out that the running backs had carried the ball three times, and he looked sort of stunned. Uh, and then he spent the rest of the week saying, yeah, you know, looking back on that, maybe I should have run the ball a little more. Uh, and so that was that was the kind of thing I said, oh, man, is this guy in over his head? Um, but then, you know, when when they got to 2-5, and five, and it was obvious that the young quarterback was, was a little overwhelmed by what he was being asked to do, which was basically everything, um, he decided, you know what? You know, the strength of our team really kind of is the offensive line. You know, we're really good up front. So, you know, why don't we just start, hey, here's an idea. Why don't we start running the ball? You know, why don't we start, why don't we start uh, strapping it onto the, the, the backs of these offensive linemen? We got some pretty good backs here. We got a really good offensive line. Uh, why don't we start running the ball? And, uh, you know, maybe we, can, uh, maybe we can kind of win games that way and in the process take some of the pressure off our young quarterback. And bingo, you know, that – you know that change in philosophy, uh, along with, and you know, admittedly, you got to admit that the schedule became a lot easier on the back yeah. end. Uh, no. But those two things together took this team from nowhere to now into the playoffs. All right, so let's get into the young quarterback for a moment. We had a four-game sample size with him last year. As time has gone, what have you liked about him, and where are there areas needed for growth? Well, um, he's certainly improved, um, but that's, you know, I mean, you could say that throughout his whole career. I mean, he, you know, when we first saw him playing at Alabama, uh, I mean, when, you know, he looked like, he really looked like a running back playing quarterback. I mean, yes. he really, uh, I mean, his, uh, just his passing, his mechanics were just way so far out of whack that you just wondered if he could ever really be a functional quarterback. Uh, but then from when he left Alabama and he went to Oklahoma, he clearly was working at it because he got better. Uh, and then he came to the NFL, and two years in, he's continuing to work at it, and he's getting better still. Now he's, you know, he's still not, he's still not a picture perfect quarterback. He's still not a thread the needle passer, really. Um, but he's a pretty dynamic runner, uh, and uh, and part of the reason why the running game has worked so well is that. Uh, he's he's a runner that you have to account for as a defender. I mean, it's not just a matter of the running backs you have to account for. I mean, every time every time they line up, you have to account for him as a potential runner, and um, that he makes his team a very tough team to defend. Um, now, what he has to be, he just has to continue developing as a quarterback. But you saw this year that when they went through this offensive transition, and again, I give Sirianni a lot of credit for seeing what had to be done and implementing it on the fly. Which he, which is a hard thing to do in the NFL, but he did it. Uh, once they did that, and and it didn't all fall on Hertz to to just do everything out of the shotgun, but they were able to run a lot of play action stuff. Uh, all of a sudden, you began to see him settle in the pocket and get better mechanics and become a much better passer. And you know, these last um, the last three or four games since he had a really bad game up in New York, the game where he turned it over, threw three interceptions, right. that was really bad, and uh, came out of that with an injury, missed a game. 
Uh, and then, you know, Gardner Minshew came in and actually had a good game against the Jets, and there were a lot of people that said that the Eagles should make a quarterback change. <laughs> and, uh, and Sirianni said, no, 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 we're, we're going to go back to Hurts. And, and he's come back, and since then, uh, he's completed almost 67% of his passes and only thrown one interception. So, um, I mean, he's really improving as a passer. He's not, you know, he's still got a ways to go, but he's certainly improved from where he was when we saw him in Tuscaloosa. They also helped themselves in the draft when they got Devontae Smith. Yep. Yeah, it's one one thing to see a guy on TV, but then you finally get to see him in practical application in person. What has impressed you about Devontae Smith? Everything. Yeah, <laughs> Everything. I agree. I, 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 I've, I've often said I can't remember the last time I was this excited about an Eagles draft pick. I mean, I, I think uh, – when they and I give the general manager Howie Roseman credit. I mean, he pulled off the trade on draft night that he jumped ahead, jumped ahead of the Giants because uh, the Giants were all set to take Devonte Smith. I mean, that's they were, they were all in on Devonte Smith, uh, and uh, and Howie Roseman and the Eagles wanted them too, and uh, they made the trade with the Cowboys. That you know, not often you make trades within your division, but they traded yeah. with the Cowboys to jump ahead of the Giants, and they got Devonte Smith and. Uh, Boy, has he made a difference. Uh, you know, the last couple of years, um, the receiver core here, just, they just weren't good enough. I mean, they just couldn't get open. They weren't, they weren't reliable catching the ball. Um, they were generating very, very little out of the passing game. Uh, and even though they had invested some high draft picks in it, some of the guys just hadn't developed, really. Uh, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has given them nothing. Um, you know, Jalen Rager, last year's first pick, has basically given them nothing. Um, you know, John Hightower is a kid that they drafted. They had some high hopes for. He's a practice squad guy now. Uh, I mean, they had drafted. They had invested all this capital in draft and wide receivers, and none of them was producing. So there was some some people were sort of rolling their eyes and saying, "Really, you're going to use the first pick on another wide receiver, given your track record?" But they recognized that this guy he wasn't like the other guys. I mean, this guy came out of college as a very polished product. I mean, he if anybody that watched him play at Alabama and we all saw them they were on TV every week so you saw it. He was an NFL player before he ever came out of college. Right. I mean, he was he was a sun, he was a Sunday player playing on Saturdays. And if you watched him play, you knew that. So, he hit the ground running here in Philadelphia and he's you know, and he has really, really added a lot to this passing game. That combined with the development of Dallas Goddard is a really good, as a really good tight end who can both yeah. block and catch the the third yard down pass, and also go down the seam and catch the big play. You know, they've got the makings, not a complete passing game, but they got the makings of a very good one. You know, it's interesting because I mean, Alabama's going to play Georgia again on Monday night. People forget that. When Tua threw the touchdown pass, it was Devontae Smith that caught it that won Correct. the game as a freshman. People seem to forget that. You know what's interesting about him, Ray? National championship game last year, they're playing Ohio State, and they kept lining up Smith in the slot. And Ohio State never touched him off the line of scrimmage. I'm right. Like, you got to jam this guy. Now he gets to the NFL where they got the five yard contact rule. Ray, that first step off the line of scrimmage, he's so impressive. They still don't get contact with him. No, they don't. And, you know, Steve, that was, you know, I kept telling people, I said, this kid's a star. I mean, he is. He just yeah. is. I mean, you can just see it. And, you know, what everybody was saying was, no, he's, he's you know, he's 115 pounds. You know, he's, I mean, he's going to come to the NFL, and he's not going to be able to get off the line of scrimmage, and he's going to get, he's going to get hurt. And, you know, I said, no, I, you know, if you, if you saw him play in college, you know, Number one, you, you don't you never lay a glove on him at the line of scrimmage. You don't. Yeah. Uh, and you know I don't you know NFL NFL defensive backs. Yeah, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're better. But they still haven't had to deal with a guy 
like this. And he's um, and he is so good at getting off the line of scrimmage. And once he gets down the field, the way he can stem a route and and create separation. Um, I mean, you saw that every week in college, and he's been able to do the same thing here in the NFL. And even though he's, you know, he is slight. I mean, there's no question, but he's not short. I mean, he's he's over six feet tall, and he's got long arms, so he's got a he's got a wide catch range. It's more than people think. And you know, he looks skinny, uh, but he's uh, but he's a guy that never takes the the big hit. You know, he's he's always got he's kind of got the, the comparison that I make because he reminds me a lot of Marvin Harrison. Yes. In that in that in Harrison, you know, he's a smallish kind of guy. But he never took the big hit. He always kind of knew when to get out of bounds. He always kind of knew when to curl up and get under the under the defender. You know, he, he caught the ball, and he, he would catch it in traffic from time to time, but he just had that ability to sort of slip and slide and never take the big kill shot. And as a result, I mean, he's... You know he's been he's been able to play and and just every week he just seems to get better and you see the the chemistry the rapport which actually these guys played together at Alabama so it's not yeah. like they were starting from nowhere but you see it just getting better and better by the week and you know I, I really do believe that uh, that he's he's his career is only going to go up from here and we're seeing the upward trajectory of Goddard at tight end Zach Ertz is now with Arizona what makes Goddard a good NFL tight end in your mind Ray? Um, he can pretty much do everything you want him to do. Uh, I mean, the, the one quality that nobody talks nearly enough about is his blocking. He's a really, right. he's a really, he's a very good blocker. I mean, part of the reason why uh, this team has been able to run the ball and run it on the edges as well as they have is because Goddard is is a very effective blocker. Um, so that that's one part of it. But he's uh, he can you know he can really run routes. Uh, he's he's a little Ertz like in his ability to come off the line of scrimmage and run and run a really crisp route. Uh, and 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 catch the ball, and he's also got deceptive speed. I mean, for a big man, I mean, you look at his average yards per catch; it's over 15, it's almost 16 yards per catch, which is a lot for a tight end. Uh, so he can so he can go down the seam, he can catch that ball, um, he can take on single coverage, and you know, and lose it on a, a post corner. I mean, he can he can run routes like a like a wide receiver, uh, but he can do the physical dirty work that you need a tight end to do. The only problem with him, and this is just something he's just going to have to work through, is he, he does drop the ball some. I mean, he has, you know, almost every game he's kind of got like one drop that he's, that you say, oh, geez, there was a big play. You know, I mean, if he catches it, it's a big play. So, and it's just a matter of concentration. I mean, sometimes he's just kind of doing what a lot of receivers do, which is kind of looking over his shoulder, trying to figure out where he's going to run before he catches the ball, and it clanks off his hands. But, you know, once he kind of gets past that and gets, a, and gets into that habit where he just looks the ball into his hands, you know, then he's, he's going to be one of the elite guys. I mean, he's close to being that now, but, you know, if he just gets those drops out of his game, he's going to be mentioned with the very best, I think. Yeah, that's what all those practices I saw with Miles Sanders. He'd yep. have to work through that all the time. All right, so here's the last one I'll ask. The running inside joke that Jack Ham and I have when we were in the practice field is that we'll go over to watch the defense, and Jack will look at me and he'll say, well, Steve, now this is where the game's won, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so let's talk about that side of the ball uh, because obviously the you know, defense travels, all right, running game travels. Uh, so why have the Eagles played better defense this year? Well, um, their run defense is pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at the average yards they're giving up uh, per carry, they're definitely top ten. Um, over, overall, I mean, their their defensive ranking is pretty high. I mean, they're they're a top ten defense. I 
I'll tell you, Steve, I think that's a little misleading. I don't think they're quite that good. Right. Uh, I, I think that kind of the numbers, when you look at them, you say, geez, wow, that's, that's an elite defense. But, you know, a lot of it is the way things have played out. I mean, the teams that played against, the quarterbacks that played against, uh, I mean, that, you, you can't, I mean, when you say that, people say you're, being, you're, you're reaching to criticize and you're being nitpicky, and I, I don't really think so. I mean, if you look back over the whole season, you know, I, I've seen what good quarterbacks have done to this defense. You know, I've seen, you know, I've seen the Bradys, I've seen the Cars, I've seen the Mahomeses, I've seen the Prescotts. I mean, those guys were completing 80%, literally 80% of their passes exactly. against this defense. Yes. So, I mean, have they improved? Yeah, they've improved, but not that much. And that's, you know, that's the one sort of pump the brakes thing that I've been saying to the fan base here is that, you know, okay, you've had this really nice run against, you know, the Garrett Gilberts and Jake, Jake Fromes and all of those things. But, you know, if you're going to go to the postseason, and they are now, you know, you're going to be running up against those good quarterbacks again. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Yeah, we'll see how they do then. Um, you know, they still, they don't, they're not a particularly good pass rushing team. Um, they're not very high in takeaways. You know, and those are the things that separate teams when you get to the postseason. Those are the things you got to be able to get pressure on the quarterback, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, and you got to win the giveaway takeaway battle if you want to if you want to advance in the postseason. So, you know, I give them I give them all the credit in the world for overcoming a bad start and getting themselves into the postseason. I mean, that was no small accomplishment. But to get to the postseason and survive, you know, that's going to you know now we're talking about a whole different ball game here, and we'll, and we'll see. You know, defensively, I just don't know if they're ready to play with the big boys yet. And that's what we're going to find out because the big boys all have quarterbacks. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like when the best quarterback you've beaten so far maybe is Teddy Bridgewater. <sighs> no, nah, maybe Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Okay, yeah, Matt. I'll, I'll agree with Matt Ryan. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. But we're going we're going back to week one and saying that. Yeah, but that's but that right. would but the, I would say that he's probably the best quarterback you've beaten at right. that. And at that point, Atlanta was a was a pitiful, sorry excuse for a team. I mean, they they really hadn't worked Pitts into the offense yet, and yeah. you know that was that was that was a pretty easy W for them. Uh, but yeah, you look at the you look at the quarterbacks they've beaten, and it's uh, you know, and it's it's definitely you know a bottom tier group. Yeah. Ray, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you very much. <laughs> always a pleasure, Steve. T- talk to Thanks. you anytime. Take care now. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, the great Hall of Famer, Ray Dittinger. Matt Matt was glued to the phone the entire time. Always for Ray Diddy. All right. Uh, during the break, we'll explain to the suit who he is. As we continue here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of 
from your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Uh, okay, so let's get the news and notes. We know Rasheed Walker's opted for the NFL draft. That was expected. Joe Lorg, of course, took the Oregon uh, job to go out there. P.J. Mustafer has announced that he is returning to Penn State for his fifth season. So P.J. Mustafer will be back. And uh, Stacy Collins has been hired to take the job of uh, that Joe Lorg vacated to go to Oregon. Stacy Collins at Boise State. All they did this year was block four kicks, three of them punts, return two of them for touchdowns, and they were in the top uh, fifteen in punt returns this year at Boise State. It didn't take long for James to fill that spot. Stacy Collins gets that. The two guys they absolutely, in my opinion, had to get back for extra years moving forward were Sean Clifford and P.J. Mustafer. Uh, it's no coincidence that the season turned when each got hurt at Iowa. P.J. for the season and Sean playing hurt for a good chunk of the season. Uh, those are the two guys I thought they absolutely had to get back, and they will both be back. Uh, so, uh, nothing unexpected. And Chris Stahl, by the way, is the other one. Chris Stahl, the long snapper, is coming back for his extra year. Uh, you're like, ah, long snapper. Uh, exactly which ones has he missed? And you'll notice Chris if he ever misses one. All right, punt. Extra point, field goal, and I unsung, but really good, really, really good at his job. Really good. Um, so there you go. Neil Coulon coming up in a few moments. Talk with him about the Steelers, because we got to get Kevin mentally engaged in the show. (laughs) What show? (sighs) What staff meeting? I got a game tonight. I'm focused. Do you even know who they're playing? Some team from North. Oh, jeez. Just so sad. Oh, the Chief... Really, in a lot of ways, heroic. 